Okay. Hello? Oh, it's working. Hello, I am... Hello, welcome to this workshop. I am Terry, and I'm a compulsive overeater, and your monitor for this session. Please, hello. Please join me in a moment of silence followed by the Serenity Pair. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will now read our Animanti Statement of the Sixth Tradition. The Animanti Statement, to those who might be re representing the point or television medita, please help us preserve the cherished tradition of the medita by refraining, refraining from talking pictures in this, in this or any other meeting room. We ask that in your reporting and on OA that you use only the first names or, uh oh, second word, Presumptuous pseudonyms. pseudonyms indicated as such of OA members, and that you obscure the facts of those who identify them as OA members. Sixth tradition. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert from a primary purpose. Three. The format of this session to have speakers share for 20 minutes experience, strength, and hope on the topic followed by open pitches. This is one in the fourth hour meeting. Our topic is traditions. I will now read from the selected reading. We, are, we owe a large step of gratitude to Alcoholics Anonymous for a breaking ground in establishing these traditions and allowing OA adapt them to our fellowship, developed through long and sometimes painful experience. The top traditions embodies, em, embody the same principles for living as to the 12 steps. Those who have studied them carefully have found that these traditions can be applied effectively to all human relationships, both inside and outside OA. With this in mind, we turn to the attention to the tradition, trusting that as we come to understand them better, we will be able to keep our OA lifeboat afloat and ourselves spiritually and fit in the fact of all challenges. The 12 steps and 12 traditions of OA Anonymous, page 108, is in well, page over eight anonymous page one away. Our first speaker is Mary A. Sacramento. Our second speaker is Carol C. from Mineral. Our third speaker is Molly H. from Berkeley. Thank you. I'm Mary, and I'm powerless over food. And my home group in Overeaters Anonymous is the Saturday morning uh, writing meeting. And today, um, temporarily, we're located at Kaiser uh, over here on Cottage Way. And we're right now looking for a new meeting place because Kaiser won't let us 
uh, stay past around September 1st. So anyway, that, that's my home group. And I also attend the Tuesday noon uh, meeting in downtown Sacramento. And it was there that Michelle Kay asked me uh, if I wanted to do something on the, this presentation on the traditions. And it's a, a great opportunity. I do have a spotsy in Overeaters Anonymous. In fact, uh, well, double winners, as some of you may be familiar with that term. And every day or every week, we study the steps out of the AA Big Book and the AA 12 and 12. And uh, we also study the traditions out of the OA 12 and 12. But that is part of uh, my working with her. Uh, to qualify myself, I've been a member of 12-step fellowships for over 30 years. Uh, right now, in one of those fellowships, uh, I'm comparable to a, an assistant district supervisor, what would be an assistant district supervisor in the corporate or government world. So knowing the principles of, this, of these traditions is a must. And part of my uh, role in that capacity is to know what people's needs are and how I can meet those needs. And so if any of you have been an assistant district supervisor or district supervisor know what that is like, I'm sure. Um, I read this past week in one of the Al-Anon readings. Uh, for those of you who read the Al-Anon uh, one day at a time, the, called the uh, Traditions Government by Principles. And so that is um, how we conduct ourselves in Overeaters Anonymous Government by principles and the principles of these traditions. I'd like to go back to November of 1934, if I may. Um, as, as you all know, or if you read a, a, a history at all, know that in November of 1934 is when Bill W. took his last drink. And it's in, out of the 11th tradition, the principles of the 11th tradition based on attraction rather than promotion that we, that aids in our recovery. And see, uh, his friend Ebby was in New York and Ebby, Ebby wanted to come see him. And so Ebby came over to Bill's apartment and what did Bill see when Ebby came to the door? A guy who was clean shaven, who was clean in his appearance, who had sparkle in his eyes. He, when he was offered a drink, uh, if he refused that drink, and Bill, of course, was wondering, what the heck has gotten into you? You know, hey, what's this all about? And, of course, if he said, hey, I found religion, and today we might say, hey, I found spiritual principles. And as a result, as a result of what Bill saw in Ebby, Bill completely gave himself to the simple program offered by what was in the Oxford groups. You know, it was based on attraction. You know, the clean shaven, the refusing to drink, the overall demeanor, what he saw in Ebby, what is what got him interested in the in the program of recovery that was offered at that time by the Oxford groups. And that over time came to uh, be practiced in the 12-step groups in general, and of course, Overeaters Anonymous in particular. 
Now, the principles of attraction rather than promotion still apply to us today. Not only do, does our health return for a lot of us, uh, people who we interact with in our lives, people at work or people in the neighborhood, people at church, people wherever we interact with, they see a change in us. Of course, they see that we've returned to better health or we attain better health. They see that uh, our appearance is, has become something that we're taking care of. You know, we're, we're, our hair is neat, our clothing is neat, our homes are neat. You know, the lawn is mowed regularly, the front yard is in a junk pile, you know, the house is kept up. And people wonder, hey, what, what's happened? What's going on here? And so many of us can say, hey, I'm practicing the 12 steps and the 12 traditions and the 12 concepts of Overeaters Anonymous. I have, I am recovering or I have recovered through Overeaters Anonymous. And the principle of attraction rather than promotion is not unique to the 12 step programs. It is practiced all day long, every day in our lives. Why do I go to the beautician I go to? I liked the results I saw of her work. Why do you go to a certain business or go somewhere for a service, whatever services you need? Because you saw what it has done with other people, maybe your neighbors or your friends or people you go to church with or people you work with. You see, you saw the attraction rather than promotion. So to me, uh, attraction rather than promotion, what has worked in the business world and the outside world has been brought into us here in Overeaters Anonymous. If I want to keep spreading the message of Overeaters Anonymous through, um, through attraction rather than promotion, I of course have to live these, the principles of these 12 steps and 12 traditions. Number one, I don't compulsively overeat during the day. That's what people see at work. You know, uh, uh, where I work, my goodness, there's hardly a week goes by that they don't have uh, goodies or a reason to have goodies. You know, this week uh, was our monthly meeting. People bring in goodies. Uh, yesterday, a new person uh, joined our office. Hey, they brought in goodies to celebrate. You know, I stood around and in took in the conversation. I did not compulsively overeat. If I did, I would have been eating more than my fair share of the goodies that were brought in. And they see other things too. They see the quality of my work. They see uh, uh, when I do, I'm an executive assistant, so when I turn in something that I've worked on, they, they can expect today a quality product. They can expect today that I will show up for work every day. Hmm. That uh, uh, that uh, I will be there all day long. That I'm not going to spend that I'm not going to spend so much of my time dealing with personal issues. Because really, the twelve steps have made me more emotionally stable have returned to me the emotion, or have given me. I've, I've never really had good emotional health. But to me, I have 
halfway decent emotional health as a result of these steps. So these are the things, these are practicing these principles, and this is the, the principle of attraction rather than promotion. I practice, I hope, all these principles of the traditions in all my life. You know, the first tradition, and I, you know, whenever I uh, do, do something like this, I always uh, uh, draw a blank uh, uh, on the wording. I always do, but here it goes. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. You know, to me, OA unity is that I don't go around bad-mouthing people in Overeaters Anonymous. I might not like them all. Hey, we're a group of people. We have different interests and different viewpoints. But, you know, I don't go bad-mouthing. I don't go uh, saying negative things about any particular group. I don't go saying negative things about any particular event. So I stay united in that first tradition. I don't even say negative things about other groups. I don't say negative things about any of the other 12-step groups or groups like Weight Watchers or Tops or any of the rest. You know, I, I stay in the positive, especially about my Overeaters Anonymous group. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving goddess. He may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. As I stated, I am comparable to being an assistant district supervisor in one of the other 12-step groups. My job is to not tell people what to do. My job is to be their servant, to know what their needs are, and to be available to meet those needs, to give them the information they need so that their groups can take a good and well-informed group conscience. Uh, at any business meeting of any 12-step group I've been to, they started off either with a serenity prayer or with a pettiness prayer, you know, keep us, O God, from pettiness. Let us be large in thought and word and deed. We don't fault find other people. <laughs> No, so so I call. I hope the groups group conscience in this meeting and the group conscience in the regional uh, meetings leading up to this convention was relied upon. You know, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. You know, it's not about dieting. It's not about losing weight. It's about having the desire to stop eating compulsively. Tradition four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Now, we don't uh, put uh, weight limits or uh, dietary requirements on any particular person or to any uh, for membership in that group because it could affect other groups. Tradition five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Our group, because we've been located in a, a facility that uh, houses a lot of 12-step groups, we carry our message to those who attend meetings there. And so that's where, how we carry our message to those who are still suffering. Uh, we do not finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or in, uh, outside enterprise. 
And I've learned recently that no OA group or no 12-step group should be named after any uh, person living or deceased. We don't have the Joe Blow Memorial OA group. Tradition 7, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. In other words, we do not accept contributions from the Hilton Hotel uh, for our seventh tradition. Tradition 8, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional. So our 12-step work, except for office work and the like, is certainly voluntary, certainly part of our service. Uh, we ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. In other words, we have telephone committees and maybe email committees uh, and that type of thing so we could get our, our word out. We have no opinion on outside issues. You know, this country is overrun now with the carb craze, you know, counting carbohydrates. We have no opinion on that are the only thing, in my opinion, you know, what are the inside issues? What are the inside issues? To me, the inside issues are the program of recovery that is laid out in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and in the OA and AA 12 and 12. To me, anything else is an outside issue. I do not mention my weight loss when I go to a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. For me, that is an outside issue. For me, that's my opinion. I do not go into the specifics of what I eat and don't eat because, for me, that is an outside issue. The inside issue is how I am recovering using the principles of these steps and these traditions. And since I've already talked about Tradition 11, I'll go into Tradition 12, anonymity being the spiritual foundation of all our traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Some of you may be familiar with the anonymity mantra. Who you see here, what they say here, when you leave here, let it stay here. So the fact that uh, Susie Q is at a meeting that I'm attending stays at that meeting. What she says at that meeting stays at that meeting. It does not go be taken out outside of that room. It stays there. One of the things that I personally do, I protect my anonymity. You know, in in the groups here in the Sacramento area, they're passed around a sign-up sheet. And people put down their name and their phone number and are given an opportunity to make comments. I do not sign that sheet because so often the lists are kept from week to week. I, the fact that I attended a, a meeting a particular day should not be made available to a person who was not there, maybe who comes to attend the meeting the next week. And again, that is my personal opinion. I want to protect my anonymity. So I hope uh, we practice the principles of these traditions and really make our practice an opportunity to uh, place principles before personalities attraction. Thank you.
I carried around a lot, didn't I? <laughs> Hi, I'm Carol, and I'm a compulsive overeater. I didn't bring my before pictures up to the podium with me. The, the traditions is kind of an odd topic, as sort of attested to by the fact that there are barely three times as many people in the audience as on the podium. But I will, I'll, I'll dive for my purse later and um, pass them out, because it's, it's one of the ways I um, testify to the, that OA works. Um, to give you some background, I started OA September 12, 1983. I had abstinence on and off, off and on, on and off, and I've had five and a half years of abstinence since I went to a retreat in 1997, I think it was, um, in 1998, someplace in there, five and a half years anyway. And at that retreat, the leader had us talk a lot about what I bring to things, my part in things, and somehow that was the keystone to the whole arch, and I've been able to abstain ever since, imperfectly. Um, but it's um, abstinence, and it, it keeps me sane. When I was preparing for this topic, when we first got the topic, it just gave us the reading that Terry read from the, the beginning of the section on the 12 steps and the 12 and 12. And I was thinking, good grief, how do you talk about all 12 steps in 20 minutes? I mean, all 12 traditions, excuse me. And then we got the, the sub-theme is playing nice in the sandbox of life. And I can, I can understand that. That's what OA has taught me to do. I am not the nasty, negative, whiny person that I used to be. Um, I used to, I, I'd say black and white. I don't want to deal with gray, all or nothing. I don't want to be mediocre. Um, I'm going to take my, my toys and go home if I can't be the best or the worst. And in OA, I've learned about the gray. I've learned it's okay to be in the middle. It's okay to be one of the crowd. Um, I don't have to. It's such a dichotomy, though. You know, I wanted to be invisible, but I wanted to stand out. Uh, what is it? You're, we're egomaniacs with a, um, or um, what's the other one? I didn't think much of myself, but I thought about myself all the time. <laughs> And um, to, to do some background for the traditions, I went to the uh, indexes in the back of the books. And would you believe in the little white for today, there's no traditions in the index. That was interesting. That was revealing. I, my program has evolved like that. In the beginning, the traditions, you know, boo, hiss, let's go to sleep, skip those. They're, they're boring. And I remember my first couple of meetings when I started in um, Pendleton, Oregon, 20 years ago. I was talking to somebody else that was new, and uh, we were saying, oh, God, do we have to read the traditions and the steps every single meeting? That is boring. And it's so cool. I've evolved now where I've seen newcomers, and they've said the same thing, and I'm, I understand where they're coming from. And you just sit it out, and eventually you come to love them. You love hearing them read every single time. It's the, in For Today, the uh, quote about two days ago was, repetition is the only form of permanence nature can achieve. So we do it over and over and over, and it doesn't get boring. Uh, I am blessed with that. I've known people that dropped out of OA because it got boring. But I don't know. Try another level of service. They're never boring. <laughs> They're growth. But I did find the traditions in the new Voices of Recovery. There's um, something on each of the traditions, and then there's something on the 12 traditions. And um, on page 100, it really was the one that struck home for me. 
and I will read it as soon as I find it in my book. Walking hand in hand with our friends and higher power, we are now exploring this world using the great spiritual principles embodied in the 12 steps as the map to our guide our, our way. And that's from the 12 and 12, page 106. What a wonderful way to think of our program, as a map to guide us as we live each day, embodying the physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of our lives. The steps and traditions are the paths that take us on this journey, outlining the elements as a cartographer would, illuminating and guiding our way. From the, from the first step in which I admit my powerlessness to the twelfth step in which I practice these principles in all my affairs, I know what action I must take to continue my recovery. How nice to know that others are stepping the steps and walking hand in hand with me. Above all, I know that there is a higher power beside us all of us as we continue on the road to recovery. For today, may I continue following the OA map as I step forward each day on the road of recovery. And that is totally what the blessing of this program is about. I, I know what to do now. I, I used to just, oh, I knew what to do close the door, draw the drapes, take the phone off the hook, and read and eat. Reading and eating was my, I, I would rather read and eat than do anything in the world. Uh, novels, if I wanted to break my abstinence, you know, a little set up here, I'd, I'd open a novel when I um, got to OA early in the pro, in my life. And I, I'd, if I started reading, I'd start eating. There was just, they went hand in hand. And going to any length meant giving up novels for two, for five years. And I've known people that threw out their TVs, and you know, that sounds so extreme. My gosh, novels, no novels for five years? And then I told this friend of mine who wasn't in OA, and he looked at me and said, well, you know, surely you could try it now. And I found that I could go back to reading without the eating. So what a, you know, what a blessing. But you have to go, I had to be willing to go to that length to give up the reading. And I learned that from going to meetings and hearing people talk about giving up their TV because they couldn't watch that and not overeat. You got to, I've got to give up the toys that lead me to overeating. I now live in Mineral, California. I work for the National Park Service, which means I am incredibly blessed by living and working in the woods. It's, um, I walk to work about 10 minutes walk every day. I don't see a soul. I, I walk the back roads and I walk through a little forested area. But I'm 45 minutes from my home meeting on Monday night. So every Monday night, I, I drive. I don't walk. That's the one disadvantage about going to OA. I have to drive to work because I have to go right after work to my meeting. But I get to listen to tapes for 45 minutes down the hill and 45 minutes back. So a lot of my program is based on what I've heard at these conventions through the tapes. I, I, I can quote tapes left and right. It's kind of funny. I sometimes think, gosh, do I bore people? I've heard on a tape. And I, I reel off my, my latest quote. Um, but I have found that um, I love giving service at higher levels, and it's my hard wiring. My first meeting, I think, maybe it was my second one, I walked in and said, when do we change positions? I want a key to the building. And I, I'm in service ever since. I've been in intergroup. I, I'm starting to go to the region stuff. I've been to the, I went to the World Service Conference last year in August in New Orleans. And... I got to speak at that, and um, Roseanne was speaking down the hall at the same time, so there were about as many people in that session as there are here. <laughs> but that's fine with me. I can be just as nervous speaking in front of 12 people. I just found out sitting there with my heart pounding, as I could be if I was in front of 300, I think. Um, 
I believe that my real purpose is to fit myself to be of maximum service to others. It says that in the big book, I think on page um, 19 and 20 or someplace in the big book. So I hold that as my, what I'm here for. I'm not here to get slim, trim, and hip. I'm here to be of maximum service. And I believe sometimes that may involve weight gain. I did have a back problem. I'm still trying to get over it. Last year, in our end-of-the-year spending frenzy at my job, I propped the telephone under my, under my ear on my shoulder, and my back has not recovered from that. It still won't loosen up. And to compensate for that while abstaining, I have gained 10 pounds. And um, used to fry me. I used to just go berserk. I weigh once a month, and I'd want to um, not see those numbers. But I've let it go, and it's, I'm doing so much better now praying to God and I'm um, just letting it go, getting involved in service. I, I sponsor people. I have two sponsors. I get up every morning and I do my readings and my meditation and I do email. I've learned in OA that maybe people don't want my opinion, but maybe they do. And it's my job to ask my sponsors, do you want my sponsees, do you want my opinion? And I've had people tell me, yes. Tell me what I need to do when they're having trouble. And it's hard for me. I don't like telling people what to do. But, you know, if they're asking me, I need to, um, I need to help them. I need to do what I can. Another thing I've learned in sponsoring is I can't fix anybody, and that's really, really challenging. I had a friend come once to one of the meetings. She, she visited her daughter in, in Klamath Falls, where I lived in Oregon, and um, she took the ninth tradition to mean she ought never be organized. I love that. And I, I still call her. She lives in Eugene, Oregon, and I call her most years on her birthday and say, yep, we don't have to be organized. What a freeing thing this program is. We hear these wonderful, wonderful things in OA. I've pondered on Tradition 3, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. You know, I think some of us don't get the desire to put down the food. All I want to do is lose weight. For years, it took me a long time to realize that there's more freedom in putting down the food than in being thin. And I have, I have uh, flirted with anorexia. Um, I say I lost 200 pounds when I got divorced from my first husband because he weighed 170. <laughs> I am only maintaining, only, I'm maintaining about a 50-pound weight loss. But, you know, that was, that was up in the head. It's still a struggle to remember that I'm not the person I used to be in the pictures, which I'll pass around later. Um, dealing, now I'm in a relationship with a, with a healthy man. I can't believe this. You know, I've heard it said in OA and in, in other 12-step programs, we'd go to a, to a place to pick up people, and we'd step over the first nine healthy people to get to the last one at the end of the bar that we knew was sick because we could feel the vibes. But I'm married to um, a healthy man. He's not a fixer-upper. I believe that this is truly a gift of working the steps and the traditions and um, becoming well and healthy in my life. And I love it, though. I, I'm so entertaining. I'm still not well. I'm thinking, how can I talk about the traditions and be the star of the convention? And, you know, these thoughts are going through my head. And my goal when I'm speaking in front of anybody, even at a meeting and sharing, is to say something that I need to hear. 
If you hear something, fine. But that is my reason, I believe, for speaking, is to hear what I'm thinking, to hear what I'm saying, to hear what I need to hear. And that takes all the fear out of, you know, being the OA star thing, something incredibly profound. It's very freeing. OA is so interesting, too. We have so many different people in the meeting. I've heard it said, if you like everybody you've ever met in OA, you haven't been to enough meetings. <laughs> That's true. I've been to enough. There's people that, um, that I'm really blessed to struggle with because if it was easy, um, you know, I, I like it when I struggle. It makes me in higher, better, pow- better touch with higher power. If I'm powerless over something, I do get in better connection. If I think I'm doing okay and everything's going smoothly, it's easier to rest on my laurels. And I've heard it said, if you're resting on your laurels, you got them on the wrong end. <laughs> but I'm married to this healthy man, and, you know, we're working on having a healthy relationship. I can still see the hissy fits come up once in a while. The disadvantage of having met him while I'm in program and, and abstinence is he doesn't know what I'm like, really. He hasn't seen me in the disease very often. There have been times when it's come out and I've just been um, a real bitch and and just, you know, I was in a relationship for seven years before I met this man and I had one toe in the relationship and the other nine out ready to bolt. And you can't really have a committed relationship when you're ready to bolt all the time. So I thought, well, if I married this guy, I couldn't bolt. But paint yourself into a corner. Anyway, I do sometimes still think about, you know, packing my bags and leaving. But you work it out. And I've got the tools. And um, I had an incident a couple of weekends ago. We were getting a car loan. And I found out he has a different way of looking at finances than me. It's the end of the world. I just, this was it. I'm, I'm leaving. So I, I fluffed out of the room. And I called my sponsor. And I told her what was going on. And just talking to my sponsor, I could say, my way isn't right. His way isn't wrong. It's different. And one of the tools, one of the sayings I really love is different is not wrong. That's helped me a lot. I used to call it my kitchen. And, uh, you know, that really precludes anybody doing anything you don't approve of in the kitchen. So now it's just the kitchen. So anyway, I called my sponsor and just listening to myself talk on the phone, she gave me a couple of poor babies. Yeah, finances are hard. And sometimes it just, I just, I will call somebody and say, give me a poor baby. I just, I just need to say there, someone to say they're there. It's okay. I've also called people and told them to tell me God gives me what I need because I need to hear somebody else say that. What a blessing this program is. I, you couldn't do that to just anybody. They just wonder what's going on if I did that. But in OA, I've got people to call, um, meetings to go to, service to give. And the growth is so incredible. When I started OA, I wrote an article for a newsletter. And I, I really like to live by the rules. Everything should be done just right, just the way the rules spell out. And I can get really hung up on that. So I signed it, first name, last name, Carol Child. And I sent it to the gal as a newsletter, and she printed it, first name, last name. And I just went ballistic, and I called, called this poor woman up and said, you shouldn't have printed the last name. That's a violation of anonymity. And I've evolved to the point now where I believe inside the program, 
it's not a violation of anonymity to give my last name. I was having dinner with a woman at I was having dinner with a woman last night, and I was saying that, you know, if I wanted to call her later and you call the front desk, I want Sue L., please, you wouldn't get very far. Um, in the program, I believe in using my first name and last name. If I lose my phone list, I could look people up in the phone book. And I've also learned in this program, don't put my sponsor's number in the memory dial. I need that number up here in the memory bank so that if I'm out and about, and um, I used to know where all the phone booths were in Climate Falls. Because I was, I don't like to talk in front of my husband when I was married back in those days, the, the guy that weighed 170 pounds. I, I knew where all the phone booths were because I would call people whenever anything went wrong. And I'm the kind of person, I, like I said earlier, I would rather read than eat. Back in junior high, I had a friend invite me over to her house for an afternoon, and I turned it down because I had a book at home I wanted to read. That was the way I, I was. I'd rather hide in the books. When I was going to college, I spent most of my last year sitting on my bed and reading. And the side of my bed where the drinks were propped was stiff because I'd spilled so many sweet drinks down there. I also got D's and C's that last year in school because that's all I felt like doing. I was so into my disease then. That was one of the highest weights I've got to. I was about a, um, 170 and at a 5 foot 3. That's, that's pretty bulky. Um, I'm jumping around a lot, but I've learned from tapes people do that. My first meeting was in San Francisco in 1978, and I heard the God word, and I didn't like the God word, and I thought people, I could take care of myself. God took care of people. God took care of famine, pestilence, and disease, and I took care of Carol. And I didn't do a really good job of taking care of Carol. I got her into some unsafe situations, really bad behavior, just sick behavior. I, and then a friend of mine took me to OA. She 12-stepped me in San Francisco in about 78, I think, and I didn't like the God talk. But, man, five years later, I have been coming to OA for 12 years, and I, I mean 20 years, and I wonder if I will ever see that woman again, and I could thank her for taking me to my first meeting. I'm sure she thought I never showed up again. So, you know, if you bring someone to the first time, the seed has been planted. OA is like the mafia. Once you're in, you know too much to leave. <laughs> That's the way it's been for me. Um, I, once, I once left OA. I've never been out in 20 and a half years, except the one time I was driving to a meeting. I was mad. I was going to stop at the store and get something to eat and not go to OA anymore. And then I thought, well, just drive off a cliff. What else is there? So I've been, I've never been out of OA, and that's such a blessing. I call myself a little donkey. I just keep plodding along. I've had friends that you talked about that, that you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, doing what's in front of you. I didn't want to speak on the traditions. That's not a real sexy topic. But um, it's gross. It, it's wonderful. I love reading and studying for the traditions. So I will conclude by saying thank you for asking me to be your speaker today, and Molly is our next speaker. Thanks. Hi, my name is Molly. I'm a compulsive overeater. 
And I'm glad to be here this morning, and I'm glad you guys are here. It'd be mighty boring if we were just speaking to no one, so thanks for showing up. Um, okay, the traditions. I think, uh, I think we've heard a lot from Carol and Mary about the traditions. Um, so I think I'll just talk, to, just talk personally what the traditions have meant for me. Um, I've been coming to Overeaters Anonymous since 1996, and I have been successful with weight loss. Um, I hover between like a 97-pound weight loss and a 102-pound weight loss, sort of depending on when in the month and what's going on. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. And when I came to OA, um, I wasn't so happy to be here, I have to say. You know, I was talking about that this morning with some people at breakfast. I was one of the angry people, one of the people that walks in the room really, really mad. And, uh, you know, I, there's a saying about the traditions. It, like, saves the meeting from ourselves. <laughs> and... Uh, and I really needed those traditions because, believe me, my first meeting, I'm like, well, when I get in charge, I'm going to reorganize everything, and I'm going to get rid of that, I'm going to get rid of that. And so anyway, it saves, uh, saves the meetings from a very angry newcomers. So anyway, as, as it was said before, when I came in and I was new, um, I didn't realize that we were going to read all 12 traditions every single week. You know, I... And so the first time I was presented with this list, and we and I went to a step study meeting, and we always read the traditions at the end of the meeting. And so, so I, you know, somebody said, "Hey, do you want to read?" Handed me a tradition sheet, and I remember at the very end, um, somebody said, "Now we could if we could read the traditions." And I think I'd only been there for a couple of weeks, and probably blanked on what had happened a couple of weeks before that we have to read all of them. And I remember saying to the person. Do I have to read all of these? And I mean really angry when I said that. Like, do I have to read all of these? And he was, he could like stand up to anger. And he's like, yep, you do. <laughs> so get to it. And, uh, and that was good for me. That was really good for me. It's really good for me to be broken by rules. And, um, and it was odd for me to realize that because when I was growing up, I grew up in a really crazy family where there were rules but there were no rules. It was so chaotic. But it was basically, my father was very violent, and he ran the house like a dictator. And so his rules applied. The only problem was, and no one else's rules applied, like no one could trump him. Um, you know, if he decided, if he came home drunk at 3 a.m. and decided that we all needed to clean the house at 3 a.m., we all got up and cleaned the house at 3 a.m., so there were just really crazy rules, and then the rules would change, you know, like what applied the day before didn't necessarily, or the month before didn't necessarily apply, and so one of my coping mechanisms growing up, well, of course, was eating, but another coping mechanism was like a really brilliant memory, because I really needed to know what happened a month before, and my father was a lawyer, so I could, you know, come back and say, well, a month before, that wasn't the rule. And, you know, it really didn't matter. It just simply didn't matter. It, you know, it only mattered that day what the rule was, and the rule was based on whim. So it was really interesting coming to a recovery program like Overeaters Anonymous, where we have no rules, but we do have rules. 
you know, the meetings run the same way. And it's a really comforting thing. You know, the meeting starts on time. No matter if there are five people there or 20 people there. You know, we don't wait until we have 20 people. We start promptly. You know, my home meeting was a step-study meeting. We started every week at 9 a.m. And then the, the kind of litany of the meeting was the same. You know, it's like we read the steps, we read the traditions. You know, we do everything in the same order. And some people might find that a non-monotonous, but I found that really comforting. But I needed to be broken by that because when I first came in, you know, it was like, well, didn't we already do that last week? Why are we doing it? You know, I was that way. But it was it was really good for me. So I think, um, you know, everybody knows the seventh tradition because that's kind of the famous one that we read every week. You know, everybody knows about the seventh tradition, you know, being fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Then they pass the basket. And I think one of the ways that I took the traditions into my own life pretty quickly after that was thinking, wow, you know, it's really important for OA to be fully self-supporting. I mean, we wouldn't get on if we weren't self-supporting. And it wouldn't really be good if we had, you know, generous contributors contributing to the meeting because, you know, then somebody else's opinion might be more important. And so it's kind of great that, you know, the basket's passed and you can put money in it or you don't even have to if you don't have any. Um, but it is important that we're fully self-supporting. And then I took that into my own life by saying, you know, I think I should probably be fully self-supporting too. You know, I'd probably have a healthier life if I were. And that can mean different things, you know, depending on, you know, what your setup is with other people. But what had happened for me is that, okay, so I grew up in this crazy family where there were, were no rules, but there were, were rules. And then I started eating compulsively at a very young age, you know, at four years old. And by nine, I had started gaining weight. And by, by the time I was in the seventh grade, I was in a size 18. And by the time I was a junior in high school, I was in a size 22. And I pretty much stayed in that size 22 from the time I was 16 or 17 years old until I came to OA when I was 31. So I never really had the experience of being a normal weight. I mean, even a size 18 at age, you know, like 12 or 13, that certainly isn't a normal weight. I wear a size 12 today and a 10 top. <laughs> Just have to say that. But, you know, I never had that experience. You know, my mother would say, if only you were a size 16. Because you could find size 16s. You couldn't really find size 18s. And when I was growing up, it was in the late 70s, and they didn't have large size stores. They only had one, Lane Bryant. They didn't have this whole mix of large size stores. No one was making clothes for large-sized people. So I actually had to sew my own clothes. And that's not a lot of fun when you're a teenager and you're sewing your own clothes and everybody else can wear, you know, hipper things. So, um, so anyway, it was, I didn't, I didn't ever have the experience of a lot of serenity or a lot of peace. And I had been eating at a very young age for so long. And so when I came to OA, um, well, number one, it was really important that I stay. And I think one of the main reasons I could stay was because of the traditions, that the meetings are run in the same way and it's a comforting thing. So, um, so kind of back to the seventh tradition, because I grew up that way, I didn't have very many skills for living, and I really couldn't work. And I... I really couldn't work at a job for about more than a month, and then it would start getting really unmanageable. So 
So I got around that by just becoming a temp for a long time. And I remember calling the temp agency and saying, I don't want any kind of job that lasts more than a week. And they're like, really? Because we can place you, temp to perm, you can have, you know, a couple months of a temp job. I'm like, no. It's got to be only, I, I can't work for more than a week. And a couple times I did work for more than a week. You know, one time I worked for a month, and then one time I worked for three months, but it was part-time, so it kind of felt like a month. And I mean, really, I mean, that's about all I could do. And so I had many, many, many first days. You know, and I and I survived that way. But the thing was, I was really, really poor. And I got around that because when I was 25, I started living with someone who made a lot more money than me, and I became financially dependent. And so rolling into the rooms at age 31 and hearing the seventh tradition, I knew that it, that I would be a much healthier person if I became fully self-supporting, too. And I wound up going back to school and... Um, getting a degree that I could actually make money at and getting a job where I was actually paid. So it wasn't really until I was um, 33 years old that I had the ability to pay for my own apartment. You know, I didn't have to live with other people or I didn't have to be dependent on other people. And that was really important. And I got that idea from hearing that tradition every single week. So then um, my second um, experience with with the traditions was that, you know, the program takes work. It takes work to be in a program. You know, I joke with somebody. It's like, yeah, I go to work, and then I work the program, and then I work out, and I work over here. And it's a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of working. But, you know, if I didn't have the program, I wouldn't have anything else. So in a way, it's very, very easy work. Like, I don't, I say that. We say working the program, but I don't really think of it as work. But it does take a lot of time. You know, I think about it. It's like for a for like two years, I was sponsoring four people, and I was giving them each an hour or an hour and a half a week. And then I was going to two meetings, and then I was on intergroup, you know, and you add that up, you know, and it could be, you know, as much as eight hours a week, and that's like one full working day. Um, so it takes, you know, it takes a lot of time. And I remember at one point, you know, getting kind of resentful about all the time I had to spend in the program. And this is before I even did all that. It was just like trying to be on the food plan and show up to my meeting and work with my own sponsor. And I remember saying, you know, I just wish that I could just do something else in life. Like, I just feel like this is all I do. And she said, yeah, but that's our primary purpose. You know, she goes, have you ever read Tradition 5? I said, no, I've never read Tradition 5. So Tradition 5 says each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And she said, you know, for myself, she goes, I'd really like a loftier purpose in my life. I mean, I'd love to say that I solved the AIDS crisis or I became president of the United States and I led the country. She said, you know, it's kind of humbling that she said sometimes that that's my primary purpose. She goes, but that is our purpose. And she goes, and you need to take that purpose um, like individually away from the tradition and say, it is my primary purpose to recover from compulsive eating. That's why I'm here. I'm here to recover, and I'm here to share that recovery with others. And that actually made me feel a lot better. Because you know what? I'm pretty good at recovery, and I like to share it. So, you know, I can be successful in that way. You know, it makes me feel really good. I like that. Um, You know, this book, our book, the OA 12 and 12, um, I didn't know this because I started the program in 1996, but apparently we didn't always have this book. Apparently we had to um, use other programs' books, like the AA books. 
and there's still, you know, people that only go by the AA book and they really haven't read this. But I, I have to say, take the time to read these, to read the traditions in, in this book. Like, this book is really, really well written. And, you know, um, and it has a lot to say about why we have these traditions. And so I had never really read these traditions, even though I did go to the tradition meeting once a month of my home meeting, which was a step meeting. We would read out of this book. Um, but about probably about my second year of abstinence, I was uh, working with somebody, and I've been sponsoring her. And the way I would sponsor people was I, I would have them, you know, buy the book for one. And when I'm working through the steps with them, I did what my own sponsor did, and I would say, I want you to read one of the steps, and, you know, like if we're working on step one, okay, well, read step one and underline, and then underline the passages that stick out to you, and then we'll talk about the ones that stick out to you and why they stick out to you. It's a pretty effective way of, of working the steps. But, you know, I had never read the traditions in this book. So with the first person that I sponsored, we, you know, worked through all the steps, and then we got to a point where we thought it might be really nice to do the same thing with the, with the traditions, you know, take the book and read it and underline and talk about it. And so we did a tradition uh, study, and it was very interesting. So I still have some of these underlined from 1999 when we did this, and it was, was kind of great to, to read over some of this stuff. Um, so with the first tradition, it says our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Now, what I really liked about Tradition 1 that it says in this book is that it says unity does not mean uniformity. In a way, we learn we can disagree with other people on important issues and still be supportive friends. We listen to others with open minds, and we learn to express ourselves without insisting that everyone must do things our way. As we practice these new skills, we begin to better understand ourselves and others. It becomes easier to find ways of doing things which meet everybody's needs. Okay, well, this really wasn't my family, <laughs> that little paragraph. I mean, we didn't do anything to meet everybody's needs. We did everything to meet one person's needs, and I don't even think we were really successful in meeting his needs. Um, and then at my work, you know, in most other organizations I had been involved with, it was, um, you know, majority rules, right? So 51% trumps 49%. Um, so, you know, when votes are close like that, you know, half the people are left out. And so... What was great about this tradition and the way we did it in business meetings, you know, we did everything by a group conscience. And not everyone had to agree, but we at least had to hear that minority opinion. And we at least had to consider it. And we would spend a long time considering it. Whereas in other organizations I had been involved in, we almost spent no time considering it. You know, and people would gather beforehand and lobby for their side so that they could stack the votes when they got into that meeting. And, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't go on in a way, which is great. So um, what's great about this Tradition 1 is that it tells me that from the traditions we can actually learn how to be in relationships with other people. And I didn't know how to do that. I really didn't. Um, so then on page 117 of that reading, it says, The first tradition of unity reminds us of an important truth. We are not alone. We are connected to our fellow human beings. 
Our emotional and spiritual health depends upon the health of our relationships. So I'm going to read that again. It depends upon the health of our relationships. So um, that's another great thing about OA is that we really strive to make our meetings healthy. Now, prior to this, I was involved in some other organizations, and they weren't so healthy, and they would fold. And I think that's why OA has lasted for so long. You know, because we're, we all, I mean, I was this really angry newcomer, and, and well, other angry newcomers have come to OA, and other people with other, other agendas have come to OA, but, you know, OA doesn't fold over that. Individual meetings might, but, um, but OA doesn't, and especially don't if they adhere to the traditions. The traditions really save the meetings. And then at the very end of Tradition 1, it says, we are learning to connect with other people in ways that will nurture them and nurture us as we recover together. And again, that's about being in relationships. You know, we're all in this together. And I like that. I like that a lot. So then Tradition 2, it's our leaders are trusted servants. They do not govern. And what was interesting reading this book on Tradition 2 is that it actually took 13 years to write this book. I spent a long time writing a book, and it was done by a group conscience. And, you know, the, the outcome is really great. And that was really hard for me to get used to because I would go to those first business meetings and per- put my little motion forward, my little angry motion forward. And, uh, you know, when people would talk about it, and they mostly shot it down. I mean, I don't even think I got, you know, I said anything that anybody liked for about five years, really, in those business meetings. And, you know, thank goodness for that. You know, thank goodness that we have a group conscious. But yes, you know, we talk it out. And I remember one of my first intergroup meetings, there was a, a, an issue that was kind of divisive and somebody got really mad. And, and, I, and I really felt like, wow, you know, can't we just decide this way, you know, so that we all get along. And, you know, my sponsor said, well, we all need to sit through the process. And, it, and we're going to sit through this process as long as it takes, you know, whether it's meeting after meeting after meeting. But at some point, we're going to come to a group conscience. And that is going to be better than what any of us can think of by ourselves. So that was a really amazing thing, too, to be able to learn that. Now, now when I first came, you know, I told you guys, I really could only have a job for no more than a week for a long time. Um, and, and so it was really, really hard for me to sit through our business meetings because the same way I feel just so much anxiety, you know, if my motion didn't get passed or other people's motions didn't get passed or, you know, people come with ideas and it's, it's stressful. I mean, I would get really, really stressed. And then I became the secretary of the meeting after I was about a year abstinent and I had to leave these business meetings and it was just total stress. Like I didn't know how to talk about things and agree or disagree. I like I didn't know how to work anything out with anybody. I didn't know how to work through any kind of conflict. But those business meetings really taught me how to do that. And I have to say that in my work today, like my work work, my professional life, I'm really good at doing that. Like I'm really good at being part of meetings or being part of teams or running meetings and talking to people when things aren't going that well or we do have conflict or things need to be talked out. I'm not I'm not afraid to do that. But I learned that all through OA and our business meetings. So I'm really grateful for that. So I don't have very much time left. Um, but I, and I think I'm just going to wrap up by just saying that um, I find the traditions really valuable. 
You know, they went from being this thing where I could barely stand reading all 12 of them to actually reading the whole book and underlining everything and sharing that with people I sponsor and then actually coming to convention and speaking on them and feeling really good about them. And uh, OA has really saved my life. And I think that's, you know, over and over again, like if you read this book, over and over again it says, well, we really can't be distracted from what we're really here to do. Like we really can't be distracted from our primary purpose. We really can't focus on outside issues. We really can't break people's anonymity. We have to have unity because we need this. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to survive. So just from that basis alone, I think they're very important. So thank you. Compulsive overeater. So, um, thank you for um, what I heard from the last part of your share and for Molly's share. Um, it's actually, uh, I was racing, well, no, I wasn't racing. I was within the speed limit, but driving over here because I wanted to get to this session. I'm, I'm at that point in my life where, and in the program, that I see the value of the traditions. And I also was uh, brought up into a fairly sort of chaotic home where the rules were constantly changing and as a result um, I feel I, I tend to feel very sort of resentful against rules and I sort of just or I just stick my head in the sand and don't want to deal with it um, and I see now where you know and I'm equating the traditions with rules and it's sort of they are like sort of these very healthy set of rules for living and when I came into the program I had no idea how to live I mean on a very basic very fundamental level I mean my sponsors just like you know if you can get up and if you can brush your teeth in the morning before you go to work great okay and like I sort of knew that but you know when I was in the food it was just you know I just sort of didn't know what was going on sort of that was my answer for everything um, and I'm actually dealing with a very difficult situation at work right now. And um, Molly, I'll probably be calling you later to talk about that. <laughs> and uh, and I just see how the, bringing the traditions into my life, really they're there for me. They're not there as a punishment. It's not there as something that I need to oh, I need to do this in order to stay abstinent. I mean, I do, but it's like, you know, for a while my will really came into the situation at work and I was very angry and 
really trying to work things my way and very sort of reactive and I was the one who suffered um, and I've been I have been thank you um, talking to my sponsor and I've been doing some 10 step work and I've been you know working the steps around the situation at work with my employer and my manager um, but you know, my will is still really sort of coming into this into the situation, and my ego is really inflated. Um, so, you know, I just see, and I'm also really grateful that the tradi- I do believe that it's because of the traditions that these media that OA has remained around as long as it has. Um, from what I understand, a lot of other types of programs have come and gone over the years, not 12-step related other kinds. Um, so anyway, so basically I'm just really grateful to be here and um, I already I heard some really good stuff, so thanks. Hello, my name is Marie Louise and I'm here from Santa Rosa. I am very, I'm very glad to be here. And I've been part of OA for about 16 years, I think. And um, I changed careers as soon as I really got the hang of it, and I was at the very top of it. Because working is what I learned in my family, the same MO, same system as we heard of from Molly. And what I, when I first came into OA, I thought all I wanted to do was lose weight and get the hell out of here. But I realized, (laughs) I realized when I heard that incredible honesty of sharing about life, that I had no clue how to do life. Had absolutely no clue. I was a wonderful manager, um, because at age four I decided I'm going to be at the top of whatever I'm going to do. Well, well. And then I went home and I felt like the biggest loser. And um, so I'm getting to this in a um, backward way. Um, From the sharing is when I knew the traditions. It took a few years before I actually found them in the book. And I have never really studied them. When I went to AA meetings, I heard a lot about it. And I'm thinking, wow, what I'm willing to do now is to be disciplined because that's what I rebelled against all these years, which kind of got in my way, but that's my MO. But now with the love and the sharing and the real interest of the health of all of us, our tribe, as I like to call it now, we truly have the best in mind. And I remember telling my daughter, I think my goal is that we love each other and everybody gets to be heard. We get to discuss things and work it out and not just flash the other one and run. So I'm in in training and I thank you for the wonderful things I heard here. I'm Robert, a compulsive overeater. For a time, I was the only person in the audience 
and I wasn't sure whether the panel would decide to speak or not speak. And it reminded me of something that happened when I was working in San Francisco. Uh, for one year, I was sort of responsible for social activities of the program. And we had about 150 people. And, and we thought as a committee that it would be wonderful to have a, uh, a night on a red and white fleet boat out in the San Francisco Bay. And uh, so we would rent the boat, go out, have a great time, and uh, just enjoy ourselves. And then as we sort of checked around, it didn't look like we had enough people to have a whole boat. So we decided not you know, just to go as a total group and let other people come as well. The night came in which to uh, take the tour on the red and white fleet boat, and my wife and I were the only people who showed up. I, I was thinking of that when I was sitting over there in this empty room. But the panel had such a diversity of opinions that had I have been the only one here, I'm still glad they spoke. And if there had been no one here, I'm still glad they would have spoken. If I had been on the panel, I would have found it worthwhile just to listen to my colleagues speak. So that's sort of where I am today, listening to others, and I'm glad to see everybody. It is now time to close the session. Let's thank our speakers again. Please stand where you are, and after a moment of silence, join me in the prayer of...